1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 420, Best Marvel Games. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode with superheroes. Superheroes! Yeah! <laughs> IP distinct Marvel superheroes, Anthony.
0: Yeah, that that's true. That's true. We are picking sides here so
1: (laughs) at least until the next flash movie comes out or the one after or the one after or the one they'll eventually get it right.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I'm, I mean, I've heard that the flash movie might not be terrible. So that's a thing. Uh I know. I I mean, honestly, the preview looks good and not just because of, of Michael Keaton. Um, and that blue beetle trailer actually looks not terrible. So I don't know. Maybe DC's got something we don't know about. Just saying. (laughs) Could happen. I mean, eventually it's going to happen. So,
1: you know, having good people there should make things a little bit better. But I don't know. We're seeing devastation in the DC universe. So we're going to our true heroes of the moment, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and all of the amazing games that they put out over the years. And again, I think for a lot of us who've been in board gaming for a while or in video games for a while, we understand I guess, historically, what happens when an IP game comes out, right? An intellectual property that you love and care about, something from your childhood, and they're like, we're going to make that a game. And you're like, you're going to mess it up. And inevitably, they do. But we have 10 of the best games where they don't mess the game up. And I think we've seen a radical shift in the industry over the last 10 years, where now there's actual individual gameplay that really matters and mechanics that are really good, and not just a pasted-on theme. Like, you know, a Marvel Monopoly game is not going to make this list.
0: No. (laughs) Yeah, the the thing is, it used to just be about, like, let's get this on the shelf. People will buy it because it exists. But the, the standards have gone up. The expectations have gone up. It's not just hobby board gamers like ourselves who are saying we want better quality games. It's everybody. It's parents. It's children. It's, you know, they're used to a higher quality of experience. And so just slapping a theme on something where you roll a bunch of dice and move in a circle doesn't really work unless you're like four, you know, and, <laughs> That's true. and we're not four. We're grown men who love comic books. So give us real games. And these are, these are good. These are 10 good real games. <laughs>
1: these are 10 great games. So we'll be talking about that on our future view. But before that, we would really appreciate if you could all be superheroes for us and head over to board game geek, And nominate us for the prestigious Golden Geek Awards. This is Board Game Geek's, I guess, yearly event in which they take literally every podcast that's ever come out at any point, even for just like one episode or has been gone for, you know, 20 years. And they stick it on a list. And then you have to kind of, you know, go through all of those and nominate your favorite podcast. So... We would appreciate if you would, because again, it helps with our global domination plan. So please nominate (laughs) us so that we can take over the universe. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. Now, the next step is uh, recognition on Board Game Geek. Mm -hmm. After that is the Death Ray. So there you go. We're getting there, but we got to do Board Game Geek Geek first. Otherwise, Death Ray's not happening.
1: (sighs) Come on, guys. Let's get together. Let's get some Death Ray on the table. So we've never been nominated before. We would love to be nominated. and again. A nomination equals
0: death ray. That's all we're saying. Just (laughs) go for it. It's either a promise or a threat, however you want to take it, but just get it done. (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) All right, so that's all that stuff that's going on with us. Again, thank you all for your support. It means so much to us, and thank you for listening. I also wanted to let people know who may not be on Patreon that I have brought back Kicking the Habit. So this week uh, on Tuesday, I went through, I think, about a dozen different Kickstarters that came out and I just talked about all the great stuff that's coming out, what you should back, what you may want to avoid. And it's just like an evolving process of, you know, Kickstarter, GameFound, and all those kind of crowdsourcing platforms. I've done this before, about 30 some odd episodes, and we brought it back for our Patreon backers. So if you're interested in learning about all the Kickstarters that are coming out, and again, later on I'm going to add GameFound. Or if you have any suggestions, let us know. So Anthony, that's happening with us again. and. What's happening with our listeners? What's our question of the week?
0: All right. Yeah. Question of the week this week. Uh, uh, What game were you initially cold on but came around to after multiple plays? So uh, and specifically asking beyond that, do you feel the game specifically needed multiple plays and therefore might be underrated broadly by other people? So a game that just doesn't really click on that first play doesn't make a good first impression. Or is it just a personal experience where you had a bad first play? Um, i've certainly had that happen multiple cases for myself uh, so over on the patreon uh, and again you can answer these questions of the week on patreon or in our discord and be entered for a chance to win um, a prize that we give away every couple of weeks uh, this week we have a prize package from fanroll so check out fanroll they have a lot of amazing dice products so we'll be sending out some dice uh drew says undaunted after several plays i began to appreciate the stacked complexities of deck building tactics and battle tactics. Initial plays were battles of attrition, but the game has blossomed into an intriguing deck building war themed chess. So it's, I, I think any game that's like simple to learn lifetime to master that first play is going to be like, this is it. This is all we're doing. We're moving pieces <laughs> around. Sure. Um, but then you get into some depth to it. You're like, Oh, there's a lot here. Once you understand how everything, you inter- know, interplays. Mm. Um, Martin mentions Terraforming Mars for both him and his wife. First time I played it at a con and couldn't figure out why everyone had this massive tableau. Well, I was paying the cost printed on the cards to buy them and play them. It was towards the end when we figured it out. Then the <laughs> second and third time, it was four players and dragged on too long. Sure. Now, fifth play and on, <laughs> just two players, mostly him and his wife. Uh, it's one of our favorite games, and I've recorded over 40 plays. So Nice. Just Fair found... Enough. Taken, you had to find the right player count and group, and get the rules right. So, I I hear you, Mark. I've I've been there. Um, Matthew mentions a game called The Faceless that was on Kickstarter a few years ago. So he describes it as an odd game where you play cards to move characters around the outside of the board to move a compass on the board to complete objectives. So the characters have magnets and the bad guy has a magnet, um, and they played it wrong for a long time. So it sat on the shelf for three years, uh, but then they were about to sell it, decided to give it one final try. And then turns out they loved it because they're playing the rules wrong. (laughs) So, um, Wrong rules is a, is a big one. I've, Mm. I've done that before. Like somebody will teach me a game. I'll play it and be like, that wasn't very good, especially if I own it at home then. And then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I know the rules now. Um, But then if you actually go back and read them, you're like, Oh, we were doing it completely wrong. And we skipped this part. And the end condition is actually this. So that's rough. Um, I think the the biggest one for me, though, that I didn't like on initial play was Seven Wonders. Mm. Because the first time I played it, I was like the only person who hadn't played it before and no one felt like teaching it. So they're like, yeah, no, you'll figure it out as we go. You'll figure it out as we go. It's easy. And then we played it. I'm like, yeah, I didn't figure it out as we went and I lost by a lot. So that sucked. So um, it's a five minute teach. Just someone take five minutes and tell me what I'm doing. Um, And so I avoided it for a while because I was like, this game is just random and you just kind of play random i don't know i don't understand what's supposed to be doing and eventually when i played it it's a brilliant game obviously it's seven wonders sure so
1: yeah i think for me the initial play of brass because Mm. coming out of playing euro games where you build things so that Mm. you can use the resources and that what's what leads to success and now you play brass and you build things that produce resources so that other people can use them for their success but somehow their success leads to your success. So that was something that I really had to wrap my brain around, including taking out loans, which again, anytime you take out a loan or some sort of penalty marker in a game, it's going to hit you again and again and again. And in brass, you almost want to take out a loan right off the bat. So that was one of the things that were just like, initially I was like, none of these things make sense Why are we doing this? But again, it's just a mentality that I just did not grow up in. (laughs) did not understand that kind of complexity of like, hey, this is a thing you do because of these reasons. And then I I would also add too, Agricola needs multiple plays because (laughs) as, as Anthony knows here, the card combinations is really where the game sings. And if you don't get an opportunity to see those cards or like Anthony said, like, have someone sit down with you and just go through the cards to give you a sense of like how they pair together. It's going to be a bad time. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that. I, I have not come around on Agricola, but I would say that my second and third plays were better than the first when I had no idea what was coming out of that deck. (laughs) So if here's the thing, people, if you're playing a game with cards in a deck and people are Mm -hmm. only going to get a very small handful of those throughout the game, take five minutes and show them what the possible options are sure. that's part of teaching the game if you don't do that you have failed as a teacher don't be a failure as a teacher <laughs> like it's not fun for them no uh and it's you know it and sometimes when you're teaching people like no no i get it it's fine i'll see them as we go it's like no you need to see these cards because if you don't it's not going to be fun for you you're not going to know what you're building towards it's yeah I,
1: I think generally when i when i teach a game if the outcome, should it be, the outcome should typically be, not purposefully, generally, but should typically be, I the teacher should lose, right? Yeah. Like, you should teach the game so well that you're giving the right information for other people to make the optimal plays. And then obviously, as a teacher, you have to manage and keep an eye on other people's situations. So it doesn't allow you to focus as much, but it allows them to get the most out of the game. So like, as you mentioned, I played a curricula and I remember one time playing a game where, and I can't remember, I think there's a religious statue that is one of the cards and it, like, it takes away the negative points. And I'm like, I remember having it in my hand. I'm like, why would I pick this card? So I pass it along and then there's another card and it's a negative, you know, a negative effect, you know, negative points, but it has a very positive effect. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's why, right. Cause I yeah. hadn't seen any other negative cards before that. So but that opportunity had passed me and then someone later had played that and it was a big you know, swing for them. And I was just like, okay, so that makes sense. So that card's there because of some other cards, which again, lends itself to it. But again, when you're playing cards with giant decks, you may never see those cards or they may not be in that particular deck because only so many cards come out. So yeah, I think a lot of these issues could be taken care of by just having a teacher more present in that kind of experience but yeah no cool stuff
0: yeah awesome um so again over on patreon we we give away a prize uh and martin thank you for sharing your story about terraforming mars with you and your wife i we've all had that experience i think so uh you will be getting a prize package from Fanroll in the mail um, is it a I'll, is it a death laser it's, it's a death laser or it's, i wish it was a death laser we should talk oh, to those guys on. at Fanroll. be like hey can you make a death laser we want a death laser. <laughs> I mean, we got to get this whole board game geek thing figured out, but start working on it now. So once we get there, we'll have the death ray. Nice. Um, And I just, I did want to shout out too. we had a few answers over on Facebook. I'm not going to read them all through here, but if, even if you're not a Patreon backer, you can participate. We have uh, the questions go up on Facebook and Twitter as well, every Tuesday. So uh, David mentioned spirit Island and how it kind of blew his brain. Um, Scott mentions Kanban and how the chairs and the scoring didn't click the first time. Absolutely. Um Andy mentions Undaunted as well and how just mm-hmm. like the the game really doesn't come together until you've played it a bit more. Jocko mentioned Star Wars Rebellion and how they played the battle rules wrong, which yes. really make that game suck. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Um Andres mentioned uh Grand Austria Hotel. So potentially the teach, but also maybe just the game was too long. But played it online and found the combos and the puzzles really worked.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's another game with a lot of cards
0: so lots of good answers i think we all have this experience of some game probably earlier in the hobby where we're just like nah, this is bad and then you go back to it later you're like nope we were playing it wrong so sure thanks well, for thank sharing you all for,
1: yeah no thank you all for letting us know and thank you all for taking the opportunity to get the game to the table a second time because sometimes you miss out on a lot of those great games from that first bad teach or that first bad experience or any number of things so again love reintroducing those games out to players so again Hit us up on all of our social media accounts. We would love to hear from you. And the question of the week, there every week, please hit us up and let people know. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's happened with our friends out there. Let's get on to things that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders.
0: All right. So for me, it is Cascadia Landmarks. Of this course is... it is. Yeah, you knew it is.
1: <laughs> Cascadia
0: Cascadia guy. Yeah, doing the
1: Cascadia me. things.
0: Yeah, so this is the first expansion for Cascadia, which was my 2021 game of the year. Um, And it is adding landmarks, naturally, right? The game's all about uh, building out habitats and placing wildlife in the Pacific Northwest. So now we're going to be adding landmarks to kind of indicate these different parts of different parts of the mountains or waterfalls or whatever. They haven't really released what all they're going to be yet. But it'll make the environments a little more unique, have their own look and mm-hmm. feel, plus add more dynamic scoring <laughs> stuff to the end game, which sure. that's why this game is so good. It's like you're kind of juggling the different scoring opportunities. So sure, awesome stuff all around. Now, the flip side of this is that it has an expansion for five to six players.
1: Ah, I knew that was coming.
0: Which <laughs> can you just not put that in the box and I could save ten dollars? <laughs> That'd be great. Can you just sell the landmarks part? It's probably just a deck of cards or tiles, and you're going to make me buy all the five to six player stuff. I don't even play this with other people. I play it alone or with my son, so I don't want five to six players for Cascadia. Um, but if you do, they're doing that. see the, that's see, the, the I want to
1: have more people be able to play the game, so the five to six player expansion's good. But the danger here is... And again, this is a description from the publisher. Is that there's enough components to play Cascadia with five to six players. Not that it has a game mode for five to six players. Or like it's been redesigned or the expansion is meant for five to six players. Because that's always what concerns me about a lot of games. Is at some point, you got to do something different because the player count becomes too big. So like Concordia... When you hit six players, then you do teams, right? So there's different dynamics to it.
0: I, I 100% agree. I don't know that it'll affect this game, though, because at the end of the day, there's only so many location types. There's only so many animal types. And if you have too much... Like, if you have three of the same animal in the, mm-hmm. in the market, you wipe it anyways. Sure. So I think it'll be fine. If they were, like, adding new animals or something... And then five to six players and it watered down the bag. That could be a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess we'll see how it works out. Like if you have now six stacks of tiles instead of four stacks of tiles, are we suddenly only getting mountain tiles for three rounds in a row? And people are like, I don't want mountain tiles. Um, I just don't like playing hour long games with six people. I just, I don't enjoy it. (laughs) Like if I'm going to play with that many people, it's got to be quick or social. All right, people, you heard him say it.
1: He's going to play this game with five to six players. So No,
0: never. Yes, it's on the podcast
1: <laughs> recording.
0: Yeah, I'm going to own the components to do that, but I will not be doing it.
1: <laughs> Come on, man, we need a death laser. If you do it, people will buy us a death laser.
0: Okay, if I get enough emails saying, if you do this, we'll buy you a death laser, I'll do it. But <laughs> I need validation on that. I don't need it. All right. You,
1: well, we we... We want nominations for the Golden Geek Award, and it's those podcasts that go the extra mile and do the five, six players that get the death laser. Come on. That's all I'm saying. (sighs) Fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I have a Kickstarter here for you. This is Santorini Co-op and Deluxe Pantheon Edition, the long-awaited Deluxe Pantheon Edition. I don't know if it's long-awaited, plus a brand-new cooperative expansion, which I don't think that was necessarily anticipated either but it's currently on kickstarter and the project will back because they made oodles and oodles money half a million dollars on friday april 28th so this is santorini if you have not played santorini it is typically and again i say typically because there's other modes it's typically a two-player game in which you're uh, utilizing Greek gods and goddesses to be able to build up Santorini with these wonderful little buildings and these wondrous blue caps on top. And it's a really great little abstract game. I bought it. Anthony, you bought this too, right? You, I think you backed the Kickstarter, right?
0: I did, yeah. I paid way too much money for this before it was like 20 bucks at Walmart.
1: I paid the $20 at Walmart.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's smart, dude. It's freaking... I
1: don't know if specifically Walmart, but I did pay the... I didn't get the... So if you bought the version Anthony got, he got a lot of additional cards and gods. And he also got, I think, there's like an extra, I guess, modular artistic piece to kind of make the island perk up a little bit more. And then yeah. the retail version was like the thinned out kind of like cardboard thing. It's not bad because basically all it is, it's like, it's a plain board. It's just a square board. It's a grid.
0: It's it was $40 for cosmetics. Yeah, basically, yeah. is what I paid. So.
1: You got some cards, right? There were some cards with it too. I,
0: I I guess, yeah, but like I frequently I mostly play this with the kids, so we don't even really use the gods half the time. Like it's, uh, okay. only recently we started using the gods. So even though I've played this game like 100 150 times, I doubt I've ever even used those Kickstarter gods. So Sure. Again, 40 bucks for a plastic island, which is cool. It's a cool yeah. plastic island thing, but yeah, and primarily the game is
1: building to lock the other opponents out, and again, the god cards have special the god cards have a special ability, so this pantheon edition, because, as Anthony has alluded to, I don't know if anyone's asking for it, but uh, there is new gods, cool, there is revamped rules, okay, and there's stunning new components, so. There's a new 3D island frame, so it looks like a more realistic island. The buildings and the workers look a little more detailed as far as plastic minis are concerned. There's more gods. There's a storage tray. And it's a, I don't know, I don't know anything. Would you say this is better looking than your edition? I know it's definitely better looking than my edition. I
0: I can't tell. Honestly, it looks the same. But yeah, there must be looks- something different because it's $50 to upgrade from what I have to this. <laughs> But, like the upgrade too it's, it's like it, does, it doesn't include the pedestal or the new worker miniatures or the remastered towers. I'm like, what does it include then? What am I getting for fifty dollars? I don't get it
1: well what's interesting too again is if you look at the prices and i and I talked about this on on kicking the habit too is if like you said if you want to do the upgraded kit it's forty nine dollars but instead, if you just want to back you know the other like the full edition it's sixty seven dollars so why are you? for the sake of eight, you know, $18. Why are you doing that? Like just back, just back the whole thing. I mean, it's nice. I appreciate when they offer the kind of upgrade kit. I always love that, but the different, like the, if you put money into this company to be able to help them produce a game and thankfully it was very successful. I feel like the, the upgrade kit should be somewhat cheaper. I should, it should be half price
0: of the, the base game. Yeah. The, the upgrade kit is it's, I'm frustrated by that. That's it's silly.
1: Yeah, it should it should be maybe thirty. It should
0: it or twenty five. It, it's just
1: a little weird. But there's also the riddle of the Sphinx. So like a lot of Red Raven games, where there's this storybook or Jaws of the Lion, the Gloomhaven game, where it's basically there's a book and the book acts as the game board. And as you go through the different pages, it's a co-op game or a solo game in which you are trying to meet certain objectives on those particular boards by building buildings in those particular areas and unlocking other gods. So unique maps, there's, as I said, a co-op solo mode, which is different. And again, it's a different way to play. It's smart, interesting idea for it. I don't know if I necessarily want to play Santorini alone, but I, I guess if you're really into that puzzling kind of look, end game this is another way to kind of play the game so there you go santorini co-op and deluxe pantheon edition it's on kickstarter right now
0: yeah i don't the thing is like i do want to play it solo i think that'd be cool or Mm -hmm. cooperatively with the kids but the pricing here is just it's bananas i don't i don't understand what and it's you know the pricing on the first kickstarter wasn't great either and i'm happy i have it i've played it a lot sure but like i I was really excited about this. I had bookmarked it. I jumped on and then I saw the pricing and I especially saw that like, the upgrade kit pricing where mm-hmm. they give you a box and insert and the cards for mm-hmm. 50 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, come on guys. <laughs> like, if I want the upgrade kit and this expansion, it's over a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And I it just, it's not worth it. I mean, maybe it is worth it. I don't know. And a lot of people are backing it, but I just, the pricing of things these days is so obscene and, predatory and you know existing backers paid significantly more than retail for sure. not very much stuff and then now you're charging them again almost as much as the full game like you yeah, can tell you have- it soured on kickstarter a little bit this is this is ridiculous
1: <laughs> yeah if you wanted back the the new game and the riddle of the sphinx it's 111 which again more or less these days that's kind of the standard but considering that this game already came out on Kickstarter, there's already a cheaper retail version for it and even if you've made the miniatures and the buildings and the island a little more detailed, it is still a it is still a leap. I, I think you could say like all these Kickstarter games are now 100 plus. You could say that. I don't think this is necessarily a thing unless you've never played this game or you really want to play this game or you're a collector of this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, just go buy the... You can probably find a copy of this for like 10 or 15 bucks somewhere. At least try that, and then if you love it it beyond words, then pick this up.
1: Absolutely. All right, so that's the games that are hitting our tables, hopefully in the future, along with a giant death ray. Anthony, let's talk about the games that did hit the table, what we did play, and we'll let people know if they should back those games because they're awesome. (laughs) If those games should be a dodge and avoided... Or if they should just, I don't know, play the games because they're fun. Or in fact, if they are the dreaded burn and then, you know, that's why you have a death ray because burning games is, needs a death ray. So, <laughs> um,
0: all right. So for me, this is, this will be a quick one. Cause it's not really a new game. They say it's a new game. It's not, um, natureopolis is the third in the sprawlopolis line. So there was sprawlopolis, then agropolis, which was like a farming version of that. And then natureopolis. Mm. Which is a like nature version of that. Um, the the core game is simple. This is a button shy game, so it's eighteen cards. Every card on the backside has some scoring condition. You take three of those cards out of the deck. You place them face up. Those are the scoring conditions for your game. So you have a bunch of different combinations of potential scoring methods. Which means it's hard to know if you've done well in a game. But they've added these numbers, you know, over the years to the cards that tell you like what your target score is. So you know if you pull out card number four seven and three then your goal is 14 points right but if you pull out cards number one two and three then your goal is only six points so it really you know it depends on what cards you're doing and they'll be harder or easier depending um you can play this with up to four people now i think the original was one to two people um i always play it alone it's really designed as a solo game uh and so you have a hand of three cards you put one down into the tableau, you draw another card, so on and so forth, until you've placed all 15 cards. Placement rules are pretty simple. You have to place it orthogonally adjacent to an existing card, or it can overlap half of an existing card, So, or two cards in some way. Um, so you can place them on top of each other. If you don't have to sprawl out. You can kind of keep it condensed. Um, the roads are negative points. So however many roads you have at the end of the uh, game in the tableau, it's going to be negative points. And Naturopolis is different in that it takes out half the roads and replaces them with rivers, which are not negative points. Um, you still have to connect them, and you can't have a river running into a road. That would break the placement rules. And now the roads, instead of being negative one each, are negative two each because there are fewer of them. So that's the main change in the game uh, between the Agropolis and sprawlopolis and and natureopolis is that you have rivers um that don't hurt your score uh they also add campsites which are directly they're like just little camping grounds you can see on the map uh, of, of the individual cards and those relate to certain scoring conditions that's mostly it right it doesn't really change much obviously you have different types of terrain now it's mountains lakes forests and meadows instead of like the in sprawlopolis it's like commercial and residential like your usual sim city stuff um but i mean the game is so good like i i keep backing these because a they're only ten dollars and it's like a slightly different version of what i already have which is fun to have um but sprawlopolis is one of my top 100 games it's just such a fun easy quick thing anytime i travel i bring one of these sometimes i bring two of them because i know i'll play it if i have a few minutes i'm like okay i just need to clear my mind i will sometimes just play it at my desk like if i just get off a call with somebody or if i'm dealing with a difficult student situation i might just clear my desk like i'm just gonna play a game real quick and clear my mind it'll take 10 minutes i'm not super invested but it feels good it's thinky and it's always satisfying at the end unless i do really poorly um it came with a few little mini expansions i haven't had a chance to play with yet uh and it did come with they now have Combopolis, (laughs) Combopolis, <laughs> where you can combine different combinations. So there's sure. special cards that let you combine Naturopolis with Agropolis, or Sprawlopolis, or Sprawlopolis with Agropolis, or all three together into your ultimate game, where you now have uh, whatever, 50-something cards that you can play with. So you get a much bigger tableau. I haven't done that yet. Um, I did combine Naturopolis and Sprawlopolis, and, and just to see kind of what the flow looks like. Um, but I, I do look forward to playing that. I have seen a bigger, I need the table downstairs, the dining room table to be clear because <laughs> I need more space. Jeez. Uh, but it's, it's good. Like if you haven't bought any of these, if you don't have sprawlopolis or any of these, if you're looking for like a little quick card game that you can play solo, it's, it's amazing. Highly, highly recommended. These are all buys for me. If they cost more money, if these were like each 20 or $30 in a box, I probably wouldn't have bought this because I have two other ones and it doesn't change that much. But because they're so inexpensive and because they always come with all these mini expansions to kind of grow out the play in different ways, um, I'll keep backing them as long as they make them. So Naturopolis, uh, super recommended. You can, I'm pretty sure you can just buy these off their website or at conventions when they're there. So um, if you want nature, you got this. If you want farming theme, you got Agropolis. If you want the city theme, you got Sprawlopolis. They're all amazing. Highly recommended.
1: You've, have you ever backed any of these on Kickstarter?
0: All of them, no, not okay. Sproulopolis. No, I backed okay. Agropolis and this one. Sproulopolis, I played with somebody co-op for the first time, and then I went home and ordered a copy.
1: Sure. Is it is it worth backing these on Kickstarter? Because when I looked at this, and the shipping is is not not that expensive five ten dollars depending on where you live. Right. Is that is that worth it? Like, do they come out retail? Like, is it or do you go to the website like where do you find these? Otherwise,
0: uh, I'm pretty sure they they don't come out in retail that I'm aware of, unless the retailer has backed them. Um, sure. So I think the only ways you can get them on a recurring basis is either through their website, in which case you're paying the same shipping. Sure. Or yeah. at a convention, which it would probably be cheaper, but then you have to find them at a convention. Um, I don't believe they do stretch goals or anything like that. Their big thing is like we run a Kickstarter every month and then yeah. we ship it out like a month later. So. Like, this was on Kickstarter, like, in January or February, and I got it in, like, two weeks ago. So it's it's very quick turnaround, because they print sure. them here, they package them here, and then he mails them out.
1: Very cool. All right, well, I got to play uh, an expansion for one of my favorite games, Spirit Island. If you haven't played Spirit Island, it's a world of magic and wonder, and the T- the Han people... The villagers are living with their spirits on this island. And then here comes Europe and their colonists, imperialists, to kind of blight the land and take over. So utilizing the Dahan people and your particular spirit in that game, you play a co-op game with other players or by yourself with one or more spirits. And you use this modular board to set up the land, set up the different Dahan people where where they're situated, and then the invaders have an initial setup. And then throughout the game, you're battling against them utilizing cards that can work with other spirit cards. So there's a kind of like a communication of like, if I play this on your thing, you play this on mine, we play this in a particular order. And then we will have the benefit of being able to drive out the invaders. The invaders kind of grow and explore, and build, and then ravage, so there's a timeline, there's a very puzzle-like mechanic in the play, it's one of my favorite games, this is way back in 2017, um, from R. Eric Roos, and from Greater Than Games, I have really enjoyed this game, it's got a lot of different opportunities for play, it definitely benefits from a very quiet environment, because you do have to share a lot of information together, in order to kind of Manage out the puzzle and the immense spread that happens. This game's online and in multiple places as well. So for this expansion, I played Spear Island Branch and Claw. This came out in 2017, and what comes with the expansion is two new spirits. One spirit is called Sharp Fangs Behind the Leaves, and the second one is Keeper of the Forbidden Wilds. It also offers a new adversary, France, in this in this scenario. And it also offer, offers a event deck that comes into the play and a bunch of additional cards that you play with amongst obviously the cards that come with the particular spirit so the event deck is interesting because an event happens each turn and you have some randomization and some you know basis of what happens based on what's going on, on the board and what really kind of i guess sets this game apart beyond all the additional cards in the game is. You're going to get a lot of new tokens that are going to come into play here. And the tokens are essential for the gameplay, especially with these two spirits. So, for example, there are animals and the animals are out there and they're going to do, again, based on how the the spirit's able to utilize them. So they'll do a lot of damage. They'll they'll kind of support those areas that come out of the jungles and they they come out with, with their other animals tokens out there. And they're basically helping you push back and hold the land. There's also wilds, and these wilds, again, also are beneficial to help you stop a lot of the building and the ravages. Disease tokens are out there too, again, stopping a lot of the build actions, preventing those. Strife, which you know targets a lot of the explorers, a lot of the, the people tokens that are out there. And based upon your spirits that you're utilizing in the game, you have more or less kind of control over their activities. Obviously, the animal ones benefit by using the spirit of the sharp fangs behind the leaves. And then for the Keeper, the Forbidden Wilds, obviously the Wilds tokens are essential. So these two spirits work best with the tokens, but obviously utilizing the events, because the events also utilize a lot of the different tokens, this is kind of like a, you know, you have to kind of play with everything. You can use these things with other spirits, but really, if you want to get the most bang out of the buck, you want to use these spirits because of the event cards and because the tokens into play. There's not much, too much different against France comes into play and France has its own kind of interesting wind conditions, which it has a lot of buildings. And when they run out of buildings, they win. So you have to kind of manage that situation as well. The two spirits are great. I really enjoy the one that's based on the animals because that really offers a lot more dynamic gameplay because they spread out there. Whereas, whereas the Keeper of the Forest is doing a lot of just like holding things stable. Together, they make a really great combination. So it's it's a lot of fun to get to the table. Great as a co-op game. Great as a solo game. The same artwork, the same token quality. Take it as, you know, it's good. Uh, could be better. There is some upgrade packs to make the tokens better. But generally a great co-op game. This is a good addition to it. Uh, I think it plays different enough that I would recommend it. Especially for the fact that it comes with the event cards. Which, again adds a little more change to the game which can be a little hard to manage but at the same time i think the game needs it i played enough of spirit island to go okay and everyone does this everyone does this everyone's this it's the same thing over and over again you're trying to prevent the other thing by having the events in play it really opens the game
0: up and tells more of a story so
1: spirit island right
0: Awesome. Yeah, I love I love Spirit Island. I've only had a chance to play this expansion maybe once or twice. Um but I liked what it added. It just it's more depth, it's more decisions to make. It's let's make a complex game slightly more complex, but then also <laughs> more flexible. Which is the, like the, the best way to make a game more Yeah, it's the best way to make a game more complex. It's like, okay, but now you have more options within these tight sure. situations. Yeah, sometimes with Spirit Island it, it bogs down a little bit because
1: you really have to get the formula right early on. Like if you let a certain area kind of fester and they're building towns and cities and spreading people out and you didn't like, Oh, I should have moved this and I should have done this a little bit earlier. And now it's just out of control. This allows you that opp- opportunity to get like some support or variability on how certain things happen in, in what order. So yeah, no, that's very cool. All right, so that's all the games that are on our table this week. Now on to our feature review. Our feature review this week, of course, is the best of the best, the Marvel games. We're talking about the superhero games that we love to get to the table, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and obviously all the comics that we love and enjoy, the the video games, card games, everything all in one spot. Anthony, you're a big Marvel fan. You have, like, most of these games, do you not?
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess more than I should. I do have a bunch of these. (laughs) I'm not even the biggest Marvel fan. It's funny. I mean, these are good games though. So it's not like I'm I'm buying them because they're Marvel. Um but I, I have grown to appreciate the the world that Marvel offers and the games, you know, when they're good, they kind of reflect it pretty well.
1: Very sure. So Anthony,
0: what's our number ten? All right, number ten on the list is um so we mentioned before kind of slapping the theme on things. We don't have a lot of these mixed in, but uh yep. there are a couple. So this one is Splendor Marvel. Uh, Splendor, of course, the the game of gems. So it it was a natural fit, right? So you have uh, kind of the the growth of the Infinity Saga and then pairing that up with Splendor, which is a game about gems. So it is basically Splendor, but it has a few tweaks to it, right? It's uh, a slightly different color structure. The end game triggers a little different. There's some different victory conditions because you're trying to stop Thanos. You're not just purely accumulating points. But at the end of the day, it's Splendor and it's Marvel. And uh, for people who like either or both of those, it's a great game. Yep,
1: yeah. and you got a lot of really cool artwork here too. So, yeah, if yeah. you know, again, sometimes those little slight differences do make a big difference. And this is one of those weirdly pasted on themes that actually really works because gems. So collecting and sharing. And again, the artwork is not kiddy. It's It's actually like, real serious comic book artwork, which is surprising to see in a Splendor game. All right, I think what's our
0: number nine? Uh, number nine is Marvel Villainous. Yeah, this is this is a game you've played before, right?
1: Yeah, I actually like this game a lot. I mean, I, I have, you know, when I started playing those Villainous games, I was kind of struck by it. I was like, oh, this is going to be the worst because clearly this is, you know, a, a Disney you know, rip off and they don't know how to play games. And then like you play the game, you're like, Oh cool. They, they put some Scythe in here. Like I know how to do the Scythe thing where you move the, the pieces to activate the special abilities and then you can put stuff on other people. So that works for a lot of their villainous characters. And it makes a lot of sense in the Marvel universe as well. Uh, There's Hela from, you know, all the Thor kind of stuff, Killmonger, Taskmaster, uh, thanos and ultron right so you get those unique characters and again in this scenario you're playing as the villains trying to stop the other villains from winning so again world domination and death laser i'm just saying people help a brother out okay <laughs> so yeah you get to play one of these characters it's all the iconic figures in the marvel universe and it's a lot of fun to throw you know, good guys on bad guys as Thanos is trying to collect all of the uh, Infinity Stones because, again, it was an Infinity Saga, and every game at that time was doing Thanos and in an Infinity kind of victory
0: conditions. I think it. I think we have three, yeah, that are just basically Infinity War. So, if, yeah, I think we're. I think they've certainly gone out of their way to
1: milk this whole thing to the nth degree. But again, it makes sense, right? It was the big Marvel bad, so when you play Villainous, you get. A lot of these stones and you try to do what you can to kind of i guess dominate the universe because you know that's the thing you want to teach kids right
0: i mean that's what we're doing right
1: i know this is what i'm saying that's a thing you want to teach
0: kids Death ray. <laughs> all right anthony number eight number eight is damage control uh this is a, a new one from WizKids, which is i i don't even know if it's fully out yet but it we've had a chance to review it and play it Uh, This is a deck building game, but it's unique because you have like all the rubble from the the heroes kind of destroying the city um, in their fights, and you're cleaning it up as a member of damage control. Uh, So Mm. it's a very fast paced game. Uh, You don't get a lot of turns to build your deck, but there's a lot of interesting mechanics. You're building a tableau of superheroes that will help you a little bit before they kind of run off again. Um, You're gathering all these artifacts from the fight that took place, depending on Mm. the modules that you throw into the deck. And uh, it's it's just a clever, quick thirty-minute deck builder. Yeah, a nice little game
1: to kind of. Again, I think this is a great one for family and kids because when we played it, we're like, "Oh, where's the bigger thing?" I'm like, "It's not supposed to be bigger. It's supposed to be small." You do a couple of things, and you get a thing. And again, surprisingly thematic. I mean, you literally have a a table full, or I guess a square area of damage. So picking up the, you know, the the pieces the artifacts the special weapons from there it's really pretty cool like it's a yeah. smart idea that they went with that i'm just like someone must have pitched that and they were like so let me get this straight these cars are just going to be like splayed out like in a mess and then the game is you picking them up and then deciding to add them like yeah They're like cool let's do that yeah <laughs> all right anthony what's for our number seven
0: number seven is marvel dice masters so dice masters has kind of grown beyond just marvel but it started out with avengers versus x-men as the first ip that it glommed onto back in 2014 and it was actually really hard to find at the time because they didn't make enough of it
1: oh my god Uh, remember those days
0: it was a nightmare yeah so this is a two-player skirmish style game collectible by the way um based on couriers so designed by mike elliott kind of revised and updated with work from eric lang it is a game in which you have dice that represent different heroes um and you'll build out your deck uh based on the heroes that you have so like if you got the starter kit you would have avengers on one side x-men on the other and you roll your dice uh, and you try to like match them up with different abilities on the cards that you have right it is collectible, of course. So you had to go buy boosters to try to find <laughs> the better cards, to find the better dice that went with those cards. Yes. Um, that part was probably the reason you don't see more of this game because it was difficult to find. And then, of course, it is pay to play if you want to do well. But the gameplay itself was very solid. It's, yes. it's one of those games that I, I really wish they would have just released a big box version that you could just play. And they they had a couple. Like I got a Ninja Turtles one. It was just like a big box full of dice that had all the stuff you needed to play it. But it, they just never did it properly. Like Courier style, here's a proper retail release of all the Marvel stuff. Um, but for what it is and for what we were able to play, it was very good.
1: Yeah, they went after all the monies
0: yeah. and they probably
1: just should have went after some of the monies. And I think that would have led to a better release because that was probably the worst botched release of a game in forever. Yeah, it was uh, bad. As far as the game is concerned, it was very good. I guess outside of the app, you know, the exceptions, which were just like the little boosters where you have the dice kind of like, you know, edging their way into the card. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, it was a fun game. I really enjoyed it.
0: All right, our number six. Number six is Thanos Rising uh, in Avengers Infinity War. (laughs) He keeps coming back, this guy. Yeah. So the Rising, you might be like, oh, this is an IP slap on. It is, but. This was the first one of the yes. Rising series. So since then, they've released uh, Batman Who Laughs Rising, Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising, Star Wars Dark Side Rising, SpongeBob SquarePants, <laughs> Plankton Rising, yeah. and the most recent one was an Avatar: The Last Airbender Fire Nation game, which people really seem to like. Um, but the first one was Thanos, and this came out. I want to say like right before the movie because there was promos you could get that were spoilers. For the movie, yeah, um, like there was one of of Thor's new acts, right? Yeah, which they were like, don't don't get the promos till you've seen the movie because they're spoilers <laughs> for the movie. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> I love that. But in the game, you have a giant plastic Thanos in the middle, and he kind of turns around and attacks different quadrants, and you mm-hmm. have to go out and take out his henchmen at the different quadrants, and then ultimately defeat him. So it's a cooperative game where you're managing these different locations and building up and trying to take him out before he gets all the gems. So surprisingly good uh for a dice rolling co-op that's targeting like children and families i really enjoyed it i still have this actually the, the kids like it nice. um so it's i mean any of those rising games are all good pick the theme you like but if you like marvel this is pretty good spongebob's fine too <laughs> yeah <SpongeBob's fun. laughs>
1: all right well that leads us to number five age of heroes
0: yeah, I, I Yeah. Guess- we- we reviewed yeah. this recently, right? It's,
1: yeah, and I know, you- this is like really in our in our kind of current memory because Marvel Age of Heroes was, like we talked about, it's Lords of
0: Waterdeep, but X-Men styled. Yeah, and better. <laughs> was it better? Where did we land on that? I don't remember, but it's, it's good. It's different,
1: but better in some ways. I, I, think, so. yeah. I think that's a fair... I, I don't think it replaces Lords of Waterdeep. But I think it's it 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 kind of owned its own spot, and right. turns out X Men are also Marvel characters, so that's a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Most of the other X Men games are terrible, so oh, they're we didn't really bad. include them. They're yeah. super bad. <laughs> There's been, I think, three in the last four yeah. or five years that are legitimately terrible games. So, um, if you're asking where those are, we didn't include them because we don't like them. They're bad.
1: Yeah. Now this is pretty good because you actually get the you get the Marvel mm-hmm. characters here. You have the X Men and they actually utilize their powers in a very thematic way and they pair up in a very thematic way. So it makes a lot of thematic sense. And That's really what you want to have in a game. You want to feel like on some level, even as abstracted as it is, you're still playing a game. So yeah, Marvel heroes, man. Yeah. All awesome. right. That leads us to number four.
0: Number four is Marvel crisis protocol, which it's cheating a little because it's a miniatures game. It's a skirmish game um, where you, you buy miniatures, they don't come assembled. You are gluing them and painting them, and then you're playing. So Warhammer style. But you can buy a core set, which is the price of a board game. It comes with everything you need to play, and the game is very solid, right? So in that box, you get Black Widow, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Baron Zemo, Crossbones, Dr. Octopus, Red Skull, and Ultron. like Pretty solid starting crew for to have two sides here. Um, they've released dozens of expansions for this thing at this point. And it's just a really solid, well-made, tight, like, small space skirmish game. Like, you're on streets, you're in parking lots, you're at airports, you're, you know, hiding behind buses and throwing dumpsters at each other. It's not, like, they have some more epic scale stuff, but it's generally, like, very close and tight together, not like a big army-based game, sure, right? Um, Which is perfect, that's what you want from Marvel, because you have the heroes and you have the villains, and they should be fighting and punching each other, so... And like even more so than like uh, hero clicks, where the maps are relatively big and kind of yes. broad, this yeah. game keeps everything pretty close together and just forces you to take actions and do things. Sure. So uh, I'm really excited for the new Star Wars one that Atomic Mass Games is making because it's kind of built on this rule set. Um, it'll give us something kind of to go alongside Legion because this is just a really fun stripped down way to play it. Which I think is accessible. Like if you want to play a skirmish game and you haven't before and you like Marvel, I would actually recommend this. Whereas a lot of the times I wouldn't. Like people, I've had people ask me like, "I like Star Wars, should I play Legion?" I'm like, I don't know. Do you like skirmish games? Because if not, the big armies and I don't know. Um, But this is one where I'm like, yeah, yeah, you should try it.
1: Excellent. All right, that leads us to number three, Anthony.
0: Marvel Legendary. This is the OG uh, this game just doesn't go away. Um it <laughs> pops up on lists over and over again, people still play it, people still love it. Um I honestly thought it had finished up, but it hadn't. There's still new content being released for this game, which is amazing because it's it's such a solid cooperative experience. Like the only really big downside of this game is the like setup and organization time.
1: Yeah. A lot of cards to sleeve, a lot yeah. legendary <laughs> the legend of the, of le- <laughs> of just like sleeving all those cards just like what are you playing? I'm just leaving legendary. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I see that.
0: Yeah. It's all it's right. great though. Like they release a new, like, let's see in 2022, they released five expansions for this game. So like, if you like legendary, there's a lot of stuff to draw on, which is, it's what you want, right? You want content. It's, this could be a game you just play all the time.
1: No, this could be a lifestyle game. And again, rightfully so, because it has the depth for it. Yeah. All right, number two, Marvel Champions. You've heard of this game, right?
0: I have, yeah. This is my number three game of all time, actually. So I know. And so we're not, obviously, this is basing it. We've based this list off of best Marvel games. If we're doing yeah. best games, this would be number one. So just saying. <laughs> I would fight okay. for that. I would all pull right. out my own personal death ray. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> help, help. Uh, but yeah, it's it's taking the original... Cooperative LCG mm-hmm. formula that Fantasy Flight and Nate French developed uh, with Lord of the Rings, the LCG, and kind of refined with Arkham Horror. And they've reworked it in a way that is really targeted towards skirmishes between heroes and villains. It's quick, it's simple, the rules are much more streamlined than those other two games. Um, it doesn't have the most story content, but even then, like these saga expansions do a pretty good job of walking you through like unique mechanics and building them up. Like, you know. The the first one wasn't great, the Red Skull, but the more recent ones with like the Sinister Six and the X-Men are really, really fun and feel like you're playing through panels of a comic book. um, And they just keep releasing content. We're in a bit of a lull right now. They haven't released anything in a little while, but they just recently announced a, a new one coming soon. Um, what is it? Next Evolution with the uh, X-Force. So building on the uh, the X-Men stuff they've been doing recently. So... Content's still coming out. It's my favorite of the LCGs, um, and it's just a great gameplay experience, whether you're playing with other people or alone, which is rare, too, because usually with a game, I either like it alone or I like it with others. This one, I don't care. It's fun both ways. So Marvel Champions, all the way. Nice. So that leads us to our number one best Marvel game. Marvel United. This This is a tricky one because... If you have not backed any Kickstarters, you don't get all the cool stuff that make this the best game. It's true, so it's a very good game, and some of the modules are incredibly fun. But the main reason this is number one is because it has every single hero you could possibly think of
1: in cards and in and in miniatures too,
0: yeah, like I think I added this up at one point. If you've backed both things you you should have like two hundred and fifty or three hundred heroes or characters total. <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and then the third one's coming in next year and then that'll be another like 150 on top of everything. So like if you've ever read a comic book, you probably there's a character in here that you recognize.
1: Sure. And it has all like you said with the Marvel Champions which is like building up to having the different scenarios because of the three kickstarters, you have all the scenarios here. You have, yeah. And you have like some amazing miniatures as far as like you have the giant sentinels, Galactus, you know, fantastic four and the mentors themselves are really good, right? They're they're the chibi kind of, of style, but a lot of them have like transparencies in them or different colors in them. They're very easy to paint. It's a co-op game. So you can play with family, but then there is like the X-Men one has that competitive element. So you can play team versus team. It has so many different game modes and modules that you can kind of add to making things more challenging or things a little bit easier It just has everything. Like you said, if you've ever (laughs) been interested, even in like a D list kind of Marvel character, one of these Kickstarters has it and has a scenario that goes along with it as well. I I think, especially this last Kickstarter, they just pulled everything out in the kitchen sink. So yeah, there you go. The best Marvel games, our top 10 Marvel games for you enjoy in your cinematic universe, wherever you may be. All right, everyone. Until next time. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the death laser. Take care, everyone. Bye. Oh, yeah.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy
1: sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day.